Come on, week four of Let's Go. Uh, I've been looking forward to this week. We kind of plan all these weeks out in advance, and I've had my eye on this one. Um, for me, it's kind of a life message thing, this topic we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about following God and living for God with passion, with, with zeal, with, with fervor. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, which means you're somebody who always sees the glass half full. So to me, I'm, my personality is always, let's go, let's do it. Why wouldn't we do it? Let's do it. We can do it. We'll figure it out along the way. You know, like I just, and so I, and so I love this. I've, I've been in ministry. I'm going to be 38 here, uh, actually in a couple weeks. And, um, and my size is cash. So if you're getting me anything, that's my size. But, uh, but I'm going to be 38, and I actually started in full-time ministry at 18. So I've preached a lot of sermons. I'm coming up on 20 years in full-time ministry, and I'm about to retire. If you guys are looking to get me something, <laughs> I like Florida. So that's a thing you could send me off to. But anyway, uh, I've preached a lot of sermons. But if I had to do like a top 10, if I, had, if I could only preach 10 sermons of all of them that I've ever preached, I would put this one in the top 10 because uh, it's just a way that, this is just the way God moves. It's the way God operates. It's, he's calling us to let's go. There's no reason for us not to go. The video says he's already overcome. Yeah, the enemy's fighting, but we've already won. We have all the advantages. There's no reason for us to shrink back and hold back and wonder and worry. We are the victorious ones. Can I get an amen? And what the enemy does is for the most part, he's not going to get any of us to fall off the wagon, uh, maybe with like an addiction or some kind of crazy thing. Most of the way that the enemy stops the moves of God in our communities and in our lives is he does it through causing us to, to pause or to hesitate or to not take any ground. Yeah. We almost self-defeat. And so a lot of times that happens is uh, it's because of fear. And so, oh, I can't take ground because I got this fear. Or, oh, I can't take ground because you worry about your past. So he holds you in your past. There's all of these things that he does that really just set us up to stop advancing and taking ground when God is like, no, let's go. I've set you up. I've given you everything. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the parable um, of the, the talents is the one who did nothing. It was given opportunity by God. The one who did nothing, the master says, you wicked and lazy servant, you've done nothing. Why? Because the message of heaven is, come on, we got to go. Let's go. We got ground to take. And uh, here's the thing. You got one shot. You got one life to live. You don't, you're not Super Mario. You don't get to restart after. You know? And so we got to go. We got to do this. And we've been given every advantage. So today I'm going to talk about how passionately we get to live and go and follow God into all that he has for us. So if you're watching on Facebook, I hope that you help me preach the sermon. Use the chat section. It would be super helpful if you could click share. Even in this room, I don't want you to get yourself too distracted. But even if you're not someone who watches online, if you can click share and send that out on your social media, it just helps us so much be able to reach people. And we're always hearing each week of great testimonies of people that watched online. So thank you for doing that. And I hope you helped me preach the sermon. But I want to jump into it today, talking specifically about, about passion and the way that God's called us to live. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5 says this, says you shall. Now, let me break this down for you. You shall. It's not like even doesn't need interpretation. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. God is saying, like, here's how we go. Here's how we run. Here's how we love God. Here's how we be kingdom people. Christians, which is a Christian, meaning you're a Christ follower, you're a Christian. Here's how you do it. You love them with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You don't dabble. It's not a hobby. It's not like a side piece. It's not a thing that you every once in a while, if you're going to do this thing, you got to do this thing all in. Can I get an amen? How many of you know the world sniffs out the posers? And so we say, oh, I'm going to be kind of church, kind of, oh, I do kind of here and there. No, it, God is saying, if we're going to do this thing right, if we're going to influence and take territory and influence, we, we have to be a people that are all in on this thing. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The definition of love here is a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties. Could it be said about your life that you love God and you love the kingdom of God and you love the way that God is working? You love it so strongly that you have a personal tie to what God is doing. Oh yeah, man, them over there, man, those people, they're they're so into God. You can tell they have like a personal tie with what God is doing. The scripture is saying that's how we're called to walk with God. Now, don't don't let me, you know, get you feeling about, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to measure up. I'm not perfect. I'm not talking about perfection or even performance. I'm talking about in your heart, your desire to go after God is in such a way, it's with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, that, it, that the, the result of that is it's like, man, that person has a personal tie to God. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. It says, often based on admiration or common interest. Man, those Christians over there, man, those people at Vertical Church, they love God with all their soul, with all their heart, with all their strength, with everything. They got like a personal tie because their common interest is so the same. When you wake up in the morning and you begin to think about your day and the things that you're going to do, are they in common interest with the kingdom of God? Are you waking up saying, I'm going to pray for someone today. I'm going to love somebody today. I'm going to listen to somebody today. God, help me forgive people today. Because there's a lot of people that need something forgiven. (laughs) God, my interests need to be about the kingdom. I I want to be about your ways. The scripture tells us to pray that when we wake up, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I need my interests to be the same as heaven. Are you with me? And so we got to have this, this common interest. I, um, we flew back from Orlando last night, and uh, people who follow the rules uh, put their phones in airplane mode. I feel like you're judging that I don't, and I do. And so when I came off, the, both times we flew this past week, uh, as I came off airplane mode on my phone, what those of you that don't know what that is, it means you can't get any of your messages or you're not on the internet. You're basically disconnected until you turn airplane mode off. And so when I turned it back on, all of a sudden all your message, messages begin to pour through. You begin to find out what your personal ties and your common interests are with other people as the messages come in. And so for me, being a sports fan, all of a sudden as mine came back on, I begin to get from all my sports buddies, all, did you hear about Tiger Woods? Have you heard about Tiger? So here comes all the Tiger Woods messages about all the things. And I'm beginning to notice like, oh, my common ties and my interests here of sports, I'm getting all of these things. And then another one would be uh, a buddy of mine had just bought some property uh, and he wants to build a dirt bike track on there. And I race dirt bikes and have buddies who ride dirt bikes. And so we were all having these conversations about this track that we're going to build on his new property. And so common interests and personal ties, there's all these dirt bike conversations happening. And people from Michigan uh, knew that we were in Florida. So as we told friends and family, oh, yeah, we made it safe and uh, we're here then people started sharing weather. Everyone was a meteorologist. Well, it's one degrees here. Look at my dashboard. And they're sending this. And, and we're saying, you know, everybody's talking about weather, common interests, and personal tie. And I just thought, oh, man, could you imagine if we ever lived with so much passion for the things of God and zeal for the things of God? And we loved God with all our heart, all our strength, all our soul, that when we came off airplane mode, we just got our inboxes full of oh man, I'm praying for you. And I've been worshiping this for you. And I've been interceding for you. Is there any way I can pray for you? Is there any, are you with me today? Instead, we're over here like Tiger Woods memes and, did you know they canceled Mr. Potato Head? What are we going to do about Potato Head? I don't know. Keep praying. Just keep. (laughs) And we get all crazy and all these things. We get all bent up about all these things. What if we were so in love with God, all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, that when we came off airplane mode, everything was kingdom stuff. 
Everybody says, oh, you're one of those preachers that says don't watch any movies. Don't. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm not talking about getting weird. We don't do anything anymore, you know. Y'all know you're not taking Disney from us, so just try, you know. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what if we were so minded, kingdom-minded, common interests, shared, that we just were, hey, are you with me? Yeah. The Greek word for God, one of the Greek words for God is theos, where we get the word enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, one of the definitions means God within. The God within, or one, one meaning of it is possessed by God. Meaning this, enthusiasm or passion or desire or what I'm talking about is God-based. It comes from God. Enthusiasm and excitement and passion and desire is God-based. So if enthusiasm comes from God, then shouldn't some of the most enthusiastic people be Christians? Instead, we're all, you are my champion. Win Sunday school. I hope he wraps this up here. I got a meatloaf going. If enthusiasm comes from God and passion comes from God, and shouldn't the most enthusiastic places be the church? Shouldn't we come into this place and experience enthusiasm and passion and desire instead of like, are you with me? Yeah. I'm going to see a victory. It's, it's crazy how we've allowed the enemy to just totally suppress and control and can these powerful moves of God and the enthusiasm. If you go all throughout scripture, the, 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 the moves of God and the, the, the way that God operated among his people were powerful and they were enthusiastic. And everybody gets scared of this word, but they were charismatic. They were life-filled. And now we've like reduced church to these little clubs of the rules and the programs and the things. Are you with me? And God is saying, look, I don't want the most enthusiastic places in the world to be the stadiums and the bars and the clubs. The most enthusiastic, most passionate places ought to be the places where people have discovered that they're free. Are you with me? And so passion matters. We need to, we need to be full of passion. Instead, Christians are now these negative, well, pastor, I need to get a meeting I got something to say to you. <laughs> I came off vacation, so I, I'm, I'm rested. I feel, feel, feel good. I, I got something to say to you. Everybody's got their resting Christian face. <laughs> I'm free. Is Daniel going to play that song again? I hate that song. It's not even biblically accurate. Resting Christian face every day. I got a shade in my office now because I see resting Christian face coming. Got a pastor? I'm like, <laughs> Doug's over there. He's the first office for a reason. See Doug. <laughs> we're some of the most negative, judgmental, and we're supposed to be the most free. We're supposed to be the most enthusiastic, life-giving, like hope. You know, the scripture says that people will taste and see that God is good. But if I had to add to the scripture and then they taste and see that his people are mean, we're mean to each other. What are we doing? We should be enthusiastic and life-giving. And, and that's not the truth about this church. You guys are loving and it's great. But I thought about it like this. We're really only two groups of people that do what we do. We're like, there's only two groups that I can think of in the world that do this. Talk so passionately 
about what they're for. This is what I'm for, and this is what I believe, and this is what we should be doing. This is how I see it, and this is what I think we need to do. There's two groups that do that. This is what we should be for, and then never do it. I believe this, and we do this. There's two groups of people that do that. One are Christians, and the others are politicians. And that's not a good group to be with, if you ask me. I believe this, and we should do this, and it should be like this. Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, I'm not going to do it. I just think it and believe it. <laughs> and we talk in big words. I believe this and I think this and we should and I know. All right, go ahead. Yeah. What's stopping you? Yeah. What's stopping you from rolling up your sleeves and getting involved and making a difference and being God's? Are you with me? Yeah. It's, it's passion. It's lack of desire. You, you got to find the desire. You got to roll up your sleeves and we got to get after it. We use all this crazy language in church of, I'm on fire, and I'm sold out, and I'm living for God. And if someone on the outside looked, most of the time, none of those categories would apply to us. I know the guys at the football games are living for their teams. I know the people at the clubs are living for their entertainment. I know, but to look into the church, I don't know if we could say that you're living for the kingdom. You guys ready for me to go back to Florida? <laughs> How many appreciate Doug last week? Did such a great job. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. Mark Driscoll has this great thought. He says this, a critic in the church and a servant in the church both see the same problem but respond differently. One gets to talking and the other gets to work. Don't be the one who just does the talking. When God, anyone can see a problem, we all see the same problem. We all see when things are broken, but it takes somebody who trusts God and is passionate about God to say, okay, I'm going to make a difference. If God has showed you something that's broken, it's probably because he's called you to be a part of the solution. Can I get an amen? So don't just talk about it. Let's get involved. Let's be a part of it. Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says this, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe it, you have received them and they are yours. Think about that. Passion has to be connected to your prayer life. Because it can't just be a home, oh, oh, maybe. It's saying, if you got a passion, if you got a desire, if you mean it, if you're connected to it, why? Because God's looking for our heart to be engaged. God's looking for all our soul, all our strength, all our might. Can I get an amen? amen? We can't just have an interest in the things of God and expect to receive what we're praying for. No, we've got to have a desire. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 3 gives us this awesome example from Christ. Acts chapter 1 verse 3, it says, To whom also he showed himself, this is New King James, so I'm going to, you guys are like, it says shoot. After he, uh, he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Let me say it to you in plain text. After his passion, he showed himself alive with many infallible, or one translation says perfect proofs. After his passion, the greatest, the greatest result of the power of God Three days later, the greatest move of God, the greatest transformation that ever happened in human history, the scripture says happened after his passion, power was released. I know he did miracles before that, but he literally saved the world. The scripture says after his passion, the resurrection. It's the same example for us. How does it happen for us? How does God's power be poured out in our lives? How do we take these next steps? How do we see these breakthroughs? God is looking for us to be a passionate people. After passion, after our hearts in it, after we love and go with him with all our heart, with all our strength, with all, it doesn't just pop up. Passion is the difference between winners and losers. You see many football games, they'll get done with the end of the game and they'll say, oh, these two teams were equal. They were equal in talent, but one just wanted it more. I mean, you've ever heard that? 
Even some of the teams, they'll say, man, they just wanted it more than us today. What are they trying to say? They had more passion. They had more desire. Desire is the thing that breaks us through. Michael Jordan says that greatness lies in the pursuit of it. You don't just wake up and become great. You just don't walk out on the floor and all of a sudden greatness happens. No, you pursue it and you stay passionate and you stay connected for it. If you want to see God's kingdom come on earth as in, as in heaven here on earth, you got to be a people who every day believe for it and contend for it and strive for it and walk in it. Can I get an amen? But we leave it right here on Sunday. God, I want to see your kingdom come. Uh, on Sunday between 9 and noon, that'd be about fine for me. Which, by the way, I love that this service is full, and honestly, it's, it, it's past capacity. So if some of you are early risers, help us out and start coming to the morning service, which is pretty full too. But if you could help us balance the overcrowded, for real, if you're early morning risers, uh, come to that first service. But greatness lies in the pursuit of it. We got to be pursuing it. We got to be passionate about what God has for it and stick with it. It's in the pursuit of the greatness of God that you'll find the greatness of God. It's being connected and pursuing. It's not a destination. It's a discipline. That's why the disciples were called the learners. They're the learners because they were in a process of being passionate about following Christ. And we need to be the same thing. I've shared this example many times. But it comes down to this. Proof of what you love is in the pursuit of it. Proof of if you're really into it can be boiled down to, are you pursuing it? The largest gap in the world is between what we know to do and what we actually do. We all know we need to eat better. We all know we need to, but, but actually doing it is the largest gap in the world. So the way that we close that gap is with pursuit. We actually put things in place to take the steps to close the gap. So if I said, hey, this keyboard, I'm going to be a great keyboard player. I'm going to learn to be a keyboard player, and you're going to be so amazed how good I am at it. And so a month later, you come to me and go, hey, how's that keyboard going? And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, haven't taken a lesson yet. Oh, but you bought a keyboard, right? You like you at least got a keyboard. No, I didn't buy a keyboard yet either. Well, you at least bought like some music books, right? You're learning music, you know. Yeah, no, I, I didn't do that either. Well, what about some books? Are you learning at least about music? And the, no, no, no. How many know I'm not actually trying to be a keyboard player? I'm only saying that in talk. I'm not saying it in pursuit. Therefore, I'm not actually trying to be a keyboard player. So many of us are like, oh, I'm for God and the kingdom, and I want to see God transform my city and make a difference and save people. Okay, well, where's the pursuit in that? Are we serving? Are we showing up to Saturday prayer? Are we putting our hand-to-hand grocery list on our grocery list? Are you with me today? Those things aren't like ideas that we have. We go, oh, what should we do around here at the church? No, it's how we pursue God's kingdom come on earth as in heaven, and we do it with great passion. Can I get an amen? amen? That's how we make our difference. And I would just encourage you this, that the world recognizes and appreciates authentic passion. Uh, it's frustrating to me that <laughs> Pixar has no problem pushing the envelope, Disney, Marvel, all, every Apple, everybody has no problem being creative and passionate and pushing things. But when it comes to the church, we're like, mm, oh, play it safe. Let's do it the same way we've always done it. Let's be careful. And so we continue to forfeit inspiration and influence to all of these other agendas. And then we get so mad when they become the leaders. Yeah. Are you with me? So back up to what I was going to say is the world appreciates passion. They appreciate authenticity. Honestly, it's admirable. When you see somebody do something with passion, even if it's not really your style, you go, wow, look at them. They're, they're doing that with passion. That's authentic. It may not be perfect. They might not have it all, but, but I appreciate their passion. Um, I've told you before, I'm a Dave Matthews band fan, and they're a jam band. And so jam band means they play like a 12-minute, 15-minute song, and maybe like the first three minutes of it have words. 
the rest is all these different parts jamming and unlike the dumb bands you listen to, uh, they actually play their own instruments, they write their own music, and their concerts are like three and a half hours long. And so, like, you know, Bieber, he, like, does a lip sync for 58 minutes and then needs another Starbucks and takes a break. You know, this is a real band. So they've been around for, like, 20 years, and I started following them in 2001. And uh, what's unique about them is they'll play songs for, like, five years, and then they'll, they'll sort of shelf a song. They'll put a song away, and you won't hear it for five years, 10 years. And so now these songs become rare. In, in the Dave Matthews world, we call it chasing a song. Like, oh man, I've been to all these shows. I've been chasing this song. I want to hear this song. And then, they'll, and then they'll bring it out for like one show. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you heard that song. You guys got it and we didn't. You know. And so there's like a lot in, in it. And so I said all that to say, you can't miss any of the shows. When you have tickets, you, you got to be there on time. So my brother started a new job. We were, we were going uh, to a show in Chicago, and he started a new job. And I was like, bro, we can make it. And he comes to me all these shows, like, we're going to make it. We're not going to miss anything. I'm waiting in your parking lot when you get out of work, and we're going to race off to drive safely off to Chicago. <laughs> and uh, they have a one-hour time difference, so we'll get an hour back when we do that, and we're going to make it. And so that works perfectly. I pick them up, and we're taking off for Chicago. And uh, as we get close to the venue, it's an outdoor amphitheater, which means it has pavilion seating, but then it has lawn seating. So many of you have been to those shows where it's like a lot of just seats in the lawn. It's this big dirt hill uh, that's grassed. As we get to the, uh, the stadium or the amphitheater, I realize there's, there's cars everywhere, and we're like right at the start of the show. And I'm like, we don't have time to park in the parking lot and wait in the line to get in here. This is important. Like, and I, I, no joke, I'm not exaggerating. I drove a Chevy Trailblazer. It's called a Trailblazer for a reason. And so I'm beginning to look around, where can I just stash this truck and run into this show? And because I had like passioned people in the car, I was like, we're ditching this truck somewhere, right? And we're running in the show, right? We're not going to miss anything. Of course, they're like, yes, like Jonathan is armor bear. Do all that's in your heart. I'm with you all the way. We preached that a couple weeks ago. So I see a couple of ditches, but then I see behind the amphitheater is, is just this field behind that big wall. So I'm like, I can get through there and we can park and we can run up the hill and we can put in our tickets up at the top and, and then we're in. And so we did it and it was perfect and we didn't miss any part of the show, except for what I didn't know is that when the show was over, that whole back fence at the top of the stadium, they swing those gates wide open and that's where they let all the people out where my car was parked. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, all these Dave fans are gonna be drunk and they're gonna have the munchies, they're gonna eat my car. You know, like they're gonna... And so I get out to my car as fast as I can as we're getting in it. I'm not kidding you, the mobs of the crowd just went around my car. But because they understood what I did, they begin to calculate and realize, this dude ditched his car here so he didn't miss any of the show. As they came by my car, they were like, yeah, bro, yeah, right on. They thought it was the best thing ever that I did it, and so I was worried. But then because of, like, passion, they were like, we're with you. This is all. And that's a silly way of me saying, like, listen, the world understands genuine, authentic passion. That's why you can go to a football game, and when your team scores a touchdown, you turn around, you're hugging grown men you don't even know. Why? Because you're in it. And I'm just telling you that, that if we move out and we're a church and you're a people, you're authentic and you're passionate and you're putting yourself out there, you may not get it perfect, but people will respect your authenticity. Yeah. You walk across the aisle at a grocery store and say, I don't know why I'm feeling like this, but I want to pray for you. They're going to be like, but the authenticity, are you with me? Yeah. 
the authentic, if you try to keep it all cute and plain, people are going to, no one's, no one's here for that. I think those days are gone. Let's be authentic. Let's be genuine. Let's be real. And so I'm just trying to give you the encouragement that, that go ahead, put yourself out there. People respect authenticity. Scripture says that he called, it said after his passion. Some translations say after the cross, because the cross was his passion. It was Christ's reason for walking this earth was to die for our sins and bring about salvation and forgiveness of our and so it says after his passion or after the cross the power happened and i'm just here to say this to you sometimes god uses crosses in our life to bring about power and breakthrough you go oh i don't i don't like this i don't like this season it feels like a cross moment for me well just hang on because after that cross moment power just stick with it and stay in it. You say, oh, I don't know. I, should, I feel like I should be avoiding and staying away. No, no. After the cross, after his passion, power was displayed. I put it down like this. You might say, oh, I might get hurt. If I put myself out there and I try to be passionate and run with this dream that God gave me, I might get hurt. Well, think about this. Even a champion has a cut man. Injury doesn't negate victory. The best boxers get dinged up and they got someone in their corner fixing them back up, telling them to go back out there. Just because you get hurt doesn't mean you lost. Are you hearing me today? Just because you got hurt doesn't mean you lost. And so you let that cut man fix you back up. That's what the church is for. It's what Doug talked about last week. We come in this place, you get fixed up, you get a squirt of water, you say, get back out there. Your eyes are all closed up. You're all, you get back out there. <laughs> We're that church that's like, you're fine. Get back out there. I can't see. It's fine. <laughs> he makes a way when we don't have no, you know. But the scripture, that's when he says, I must decrease so he can increase. Yeah. It's like so, sometimes it's the sacrifice. It's the cross moment. It's the, oh, this feels like a less of me. This feels like a takeaway. But then God, just, it just makes room for his power. Amen? Yeah. Mark chapter 5 is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And the scripture talks about she's tried to do every single thing practically. She's gone to the doctor. She's done all that she can in the natural. And this is a story that just backs up exactly what I'm talking about is that heaven, God recognizes passion and he honors it. Scripture says the woman with the issue of blood, she tried all that she could do in the natural. And Jesus is coming through her town and the scripture says she pushes through the crowd. She touches the hem of his garment and he says, who touched me? Somebody touched me with passion. But he says to the disciples, who touched me? And they're like, Jesus, a bunch of people are touching you. What are you talking about? He says, no, no, somebody touched me in a different way. They touch me with a desire, with a passion, with a belief that God's actually going to do something. Can I get an amen? And so he recognizes, and how many know that she receives her healing? Which is interesting because it also teaches us this. Just because you're around God, just because you're around church, doesn't mean that you're getting it. You can come to church every single week and be around it and tolerate it and be around it and be around it. It's a different thing to come in here with a passion and say, God, I'm believing and expecting to receive from you today. Can I get an Amen. That's how we need to come in here. The minute you get to your chair, it's like, God, what are you going to say in this song? Now, what are you going to say in this song? Now, what are you going to say in the sermon? Are you with me? What are you going to say? Who am I going to meet in here that I can pray or make a relationship with or help? Why? Because we're coming in here with expectancy and passion. Can I get an amen? Who touched me? I felt power leave my body. Because power doesn't follow hype. It follows passion. We know that Elisha, the plowboy. The scripture says that Elijah is just this plowboy, and, and he gets in this relationship and mentorship with Elijah, and at the end of Elijah's life, he says, you know, what would you have? And he says, I want a double portion. It was his passion. It was his desire to see a double portion, double the miracles of Elijah, and the scripture says that he dies one miracle short 
of the double portion. Elisha dies one miracle short, and everybody says, oh, no, he didn't get it. He didn't get it. He didn't get the double portion. This is terrible. And then the scripture says that later, uh, there's, an, there's a fighting, there's this battle, there's this war that's going on in this place. And what they would do is they would throw uh, dead soldiers into caves, sort of like this quick burial. And the scripture says that when Elisha's bones touched the bones of the dead soldier, they came back to life, therefore fulfilling the double portion miracle. I'm here to tell you that God honored Elisha's passion even after his death. Can I get an amen? Amen. Because God honors it when we love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. That's why cute church doesn't work anymore. It's because I believe God is doing a separating of the posers and the fakers and the players to the people that say, I'm all in no matter what. All my heart, all my soul, all my strength. That's where we're not a shrink back church. That's why we're not a shelter in place church. That's why we're not a cute church that's going to do it. We're a people who are going to, are you with me? I know you're with me because you're here. Scripture says that Jacob wrestled with God. We know he wrestled with this angel, but what was his terminology? What was he saying? What was his heart's cry? His heart cry was, I'm so passionate about getting a blessing that he said, I will not stop until you bless me. That wasn't a cute, well, if you're in the mood, maybe if you feel like it, if it's not your off day, God. No, it was like, God, I know you have a blessing for me. And I'm not going to stop contending and believing and being passionate and fighting. Nothing will stop me until I get a blessing. Can I get an amen? So why the scripture says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. Not blessed are those who hang around enough, sit around enough. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Your blessing is attached to your passion and desire. I'll close with this. Bill Johnson says this, which I think is so solid. It says, when you keep it within the walls, it dies. When you take it out where Jesus intended it to be, it happens. It's when we get out and we live it and we express it and we let our light shine. When we be the people God's called us to be, that's when God can bless it and make it happen. We see David. uh, I just love this idea of David. Again, this is sort of making my point to this whole thing where God honors passion and God honors desire. We know David is a shepherd boy. He takes care of his sheep, and he was very faithful at that. We also see that in that time, uh, he's the least of all of his brothers. We see in his family lineage, he's not the toughest, the strongest, the meanest. As a matter of fact, he's the most outcast of all of them. That's why he's the leader of the sheep. So they put him up there to take care of the sheep, and the scripture says that he defeats the bear, and he defeats the lion. And So he's being very faithful and passionate about doing his job. We don't read that every once in a while, one got him and this one got him. No, he was passionate and committed and had desire, so he took good care. The scripture says that his dad tells him, hey, David, your brothers are down and uh, they need some food. And so you need to go take them some cheese and some crackers. Uh, He's the first pizza boy in scripture. (laughs) Go get him some bread and cheese. Go get him some breadsticks. Take them down. Which here's a side note for some of you, not all of you, some of you. Yes, I'm singling you out. Scripture says that he arose early in the morning, and the time that he got there was the exact time that Goliath showed up, meaning he got up on time and showed up on time, and his destiny moment was there at proper time. I think it's possible for us to miss our moments just because we're not very good stewards of our time. Take that, whoever needs it. But it says he rose up early, got there on time. When he got there, Goliath shows up, and the scripture says that David was like, now again, remember, he wasn't the battle guy. He's the pizza guy. And all the other guys that he was bringing food for, they're the army guys. They're the fighter guys. And the scripture says, the commentaries of David says that David was so annoyed 
that nobody was doing anything. Goliath is talking trash about God and God's people. And the scripture says that David says, what will be done for the one who removes this disgrace from Israel? David's talking some trash here. I like this guy. He's talking some trash. What is he doing? He's, he's being passionate. He's being desire filled. He's saying, this guy, this guy defying my God, no way. Not my God that was with me with the lion, the my God that was with me with the bear. This guy surely can't stop me. If God did it before, he'll do it again. Can I get an amen? So he stayed full of passion. He stayed full of faith and said, I'm going to handle this thing. One commentator said that he was very irritated. Nobody was doing anything. He wasn't a person who said, oh, I'm going to just sit back and see how all this plays out. Boy, things are getting dark. Things are getting crazy. Do you see some of the agendas being proposed? I think I'm going to just sit back and see how this plays out and play it careful. No, no, no. We say, who's trying to defy? Are you with me? And so he ran right at his problem. We know about David that the scripture says that God said about David, that guy, he's got my heart. He's got a heart like mine. Isn't that an amazing thing? Because David had a lot of mess ups. David really messed up a lot of things, but the scripture says, yeah, he's got a heart after mine. He's got a heart like mine. That guy, David. What's interesting about David is anytime you hear about David, David is the guy who always overdid it. He shows up and fights Goliath. You weren't supposed to do that. You're the... Oh, what did they say about David when he left his friend Jonathan? It says that when they were leaving, they were both crying, but your text says that David wept more, more passionately. He had more desire. What does the scripture say about the way that David danced? Controversially, people said, oh, that's too much. And it is, by the way, don't change your mind next week. But what could you say about David? You could say about David is that David went 100% every time, all the time, full of passion. And God says, that's the guy who's got a heart like me. Why? Because God wants us passionate in life. Are you with me? So that's God's desire for us, is to be a people who just get after it and go after it. That's why this series is called Let's Go, because we're going to go. And we're going to do it with passion, and God honors it. Let me, let me pray for you. I really do believe that, that God is not just forming, because I feel like it's already formed and continuing to be formed, but, I, but I, whether you believe end time or whatever time we're in, God works in seasons. How I many you know the scripture says there's a time for all that? And I know the season that we're in, that is one where, where God is preparing and separating and strengthening a people to do his work right now. And I think there are some that are like also getting off the bus that are like, oh, I'm not, that's too much for me. And I want you to be on the right side of the bus. Can I get an amen? And I want you to be in it with me. And, um, and so I want to pray that we just take this sermon and, and make it our core conviction that God, we are going to be a passionate people. And, um, Let's pray it. God, we love you so much. God, we pray that these words, like David, we want to be people that are just all in at all times. God, that you are calling us to be a people who are passionate and desire-filled. Like the woman with the issue of blood, God, when we encounter you, we want to touch you with a belief and a desire and an expectation and anticipation that you can change our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us be people who walk with passion. In Jesus' name, amen.